Okay, here we go. We are going live. Turn that on. Okay, greetings everyone. Hope all is well. Good seeing you this afternoon and welcome to another exciting episode of the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. Forgive the noise in the background. Duran is out there doing some wonderful things to this Hedimoto 911, 991 to be exact. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. As you can see, I have new and improved sound, which is great. Hello, Sam. Hello, R35R team. AJ from Relentless Racing. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, I see Philip Pays putting some coins on X5. Good job. Good luck with that. X Ghost, good afternoon. Good seeing you. 3 p.m. shop. Absolutely, IDJ. You must be back east. Hello, AJ Thompson from overseas. Hello, Jason Ellis. Good afternoon. Boxo USA Direct. Boxo, I actually have your toolbox over there. I'm going to raise this up so you can see right over there. There's a blue Boxo toolbox, which is pretty cool. So we do have that. Impeccable timing, Sebris. Absolutely, sir. Hello, amateuric. <laughs> your name is long. I'm a Terence Mackey. MacDeuce Music, good afternoon. I am great, Kawak. Kakawak07. Uton, good seeing you. Hello, Zach. Thank you so much for helping tidy up yesterday. This place was a bit of a zoo, and Zach was here helping us make this place much more attractive. Yo, 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 Egeli345. Fadbolism, good seeing you. DJ Ramaroff. Hello, sir. Laid out media. Greetings indeed. It's so weird. Andy's here with me and he's logging in, which is weird. <laughs> Zach, Hedy says, um, Zach says hello to you, Hedy. Zach. Hey, Zach. Kevin says he's going to come by, hang out once he gets out of there. So I hope you have a speedy recovery, Kevin. Kevin had a bit of a health scare, but he's good now. Good seeing you, Utan. Greetings, Turbonetics Inc. Hey, Reggie's here. Good, for, good seeing you. Okay, Alan says I should try and make it to Origins Fest. I saw that event, but it looks like I have a conflict on the same evening, so I'll see what happens. Excess Car Night. Man, I can't wait to come to your event. It's going to be a packed day. I think that morning I have a PCA breakfast, and then I have an event in Woodland Hills for the Take-On launch, and then I have to head over to Excess to you know, drive that thing up there, the uh, 935. Paul Walker Med says, thanks, Edgar Porsche. Thank you so much. I love building that. Um, and it was a Great, great car. Something we enjoyed uh, putting together. Hello, Davey. Good seeing you. So, I promised some good things today. And I'm so happy that even though the rest of the team is here and Sam is not, but Sam from Rothfab has helped me tremendously with all the builds. And I want to share with you guys what is the deal? What's the deal with us here? Building these crazy cars. We build single heavy cam setups. We build crazy wagons. We do 1,000 horsepower Civics. We do a rear-wheel drive converted. Um, Hyundai's, we do electric Porsches, we do center seat, boxmen. What is the purpose? What's the deal? What is the deal with that? Well, it breaks down to two facets. One, we do cars for manufacturers, like the Odyssey that's back there. You can see I'm pointing to it right there. Um, for those of you YouTube, you can see that, but I kind of see I'm pointing to that Odyssey there. So that is a car that we built for American Honda. Right next to me here is the very first car that we built for American Honda is the 2011 Honda CRZ, which we took from a Paltry 125 or 128 to about 533 horsepower. And the key thing about that is whenever you build these cars and make them very exciting for the populace, 
sales increase. It's really that simple. So you get a car. It's more than just putting wheels and sliming it and, and lowering and putting exhaust. When you really go above and beyond and make it very, very special, it creates sales. For example, when that Odyssey right there went on Top Gear, Honda saw their highest quarter ever of Odyssey sales. So building a thousand horsepower, yes, you, know, you may not see a lot of people coming by saying, I want a thousand horsepower Odyssey, but you know what? It gives a great opportunity to have Odyssey become very, very popular, which is good. Now, how about the crazy EV Porsches? Now on the privateer side, and Sam has been very instrumental to this, we do a lot of Porsches. And for that opportunity, we try to create really very nice projects that can combine modern technology, which we love, and old school beauty. So I love old cars, I love old wagons, I love old Porsches, I love old Mercedes-Benz, this is one right here. You guys can see that. I'm gonna flip you guys around on, 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 on Instagram. You can see that, that right there. There's a Caterham right in front of me. That's a Lotus 7 and also a Mercedes-Benz 190. We love these crazy cars. Oh, um, Duran, AJ says be quiet. Sorry. He says sorry. <laughs> anyway. We love the beauty of classic cars, but we don't like old technology, so we try to combine the two, and there's a lot of customers out there who love that as well. They love to have the 911, or in this case, a, a, a Super 7 or Caterham, and they don't want to smell like petrol when they get the car. They don't want to have a hard starting when it's cold. So combining new and old is a great opportunity, and what better way to showcase that kind of opportunity than building these cool cars, you know? Slacker Girl Racing said, just saw Odyssey the other day. A kid is building, very cool. I'm telling you, I am so honored to have built this Odyssey van and create an opportunity where people can see vans as tuner vehicles. It's great. Would I put a Ford Escort? Yes, I would, B18 Tony, if Ford had commissioned us to do so. Uh, for me to try and buy one myself and do is highly unlikely because let's see, what project cars do I have to get going? I have the Mercedes here, the 190E Cosworth. I have to get this really CRZ, like less power because that 500 is a bit much. The Cayman. I have the gray Cayman right here. I'm going to lift you guys up so you can see that. See that gray Cayman right there, the twin turbo Cayman? That is on the lift right now so that we can have the opportunity to put a new engine in it. And I want to push it towards six, 700 horsepower, opposed to 481. Um, that is going to AEM. That one right there is going to AEM. Uh, let's see. Kevin keeps bugging me the wagon. I need to take the wagon to the track and get some more data. See, they're not talking crap, saying I should. Um, the Veloster N, which is right there. The new Veloster N right there. There you go. That Veloster needs a lot of help in terms of me doing some more high boost tuning on it. Um, what inspired us to build the van as B18 Tony? Well, it was in 2013. Honda didn't have, at that time, a new vehicle to campaign that was more tuner friendly. So the year prior, we did like a 2013 Accord, which was pretty cool, EX. And we did a nitrous kit on that. That was like a seven day build, if I remember. Um, the year before that, we did a 22 SI. The year before that, we did this beautiful CRZ. So, in that year, 2013, there was nothing really new that came out, but the Odyssey was there. So I just got married, had a young family, um, still loved going fast, and had a good conversation with a gentleman by the name of Johnny Shinaga. And Johnny Shinaga was saying, hey, BC, what could you do that's really exciting? And I said, you know, thinking about that, now I'm married, I'm, what about a crazy van? Like something that can really be a lot exciting, look, look, look the part, total sleeper, but make a ton of power and be really exciting. So that, need, that being said, um, that's kind of what the Genesis was. And we proposed that to American Honda. It was rejected above, but then it was pushed through by Chris Martin, uh, uh, another executive at Honda, and we built it. And it was our most pop popular car to date. As a matter of fact, that Odyssey is ridiculous. It has a Hot Wheels, it's been on Top Gear, it's been on Car Matchmaker, it's been on Fastest Car, it's been on so many crazy shows. 
but this EV is quickly catching it, which is pretty interesting. IGB Kevin says, the insight needs to see daylight under its own power. Duran agrees. Why don't we take a look at Duran and see what he's doing over here. There is Duran there. He's saying he agrees. So, I'll be honest with you guys. I need to have a talk with Hoonigan. I thought I'll see them today, but Hoonigan is the reason why that's not done yet. Because they want to capture the build. So, I'll give them another chance. If not, we'll just go ahead and put it together. You know? Let's see. Hello. Good seeing you. Have you seen Rod Dam's All We Do I Burn Out? Danny, I haven't. I saw his car. And I run into Rob quite a bit at local events here, which is pretty cool, you know? Good evening, I did good. You found a new project. Oh, shoot, that's cool. I look forward to seeing what you're doing. MJ Photograph. Hello, neighbor before, Min. <laughs> so Min did a crazy video from the most recent Super Street event. That's amazing. So I'm going to put that up very soon. Out of Attack. Hello, good seeing you. I have to go pros. We can send them to the SD cards. You know what? Um, I have a new camera. I couldn't wait for you, and I'm kidding. I do have a new camera. So for those of YouTube, I'm so sorry. I now have a good camera for you that has excellent voice. So it should be pretty exciting. I should do two Jay-Z Toyota Sienna. That would be pretty cool. But, you know, once again, one-off cars that are very, very unique are extremely expensive to do. So it makes things much easier when we work with a manufacturer, right? Right, Sam? <laughs> so that being said, it does help. 2000 Porsche Boxster. I have one right there. So you can see Andy right there leaning on it. I got my best, my best man on it right there. There is the red one. That's Andy right there. So that is a 2000 Boxster that was converted to a Cayman-esque kind of setup using a carbon fiber roof. So we have that. Twin turbo, makes about uh, 416, 420 horsepower, set up nicely, and with a press of a button on the steering wheel, it jumps up another 100 horsepower, which is pretty cool. Thoughts on the new 992 GT3? It looks pretty good. Some people don't like the front face here. I like it, I think it's pretty cool. I like the look of it. Porsche continues to push the envelope and still retain that classic look of the 911, which is nice, you know? So, let's see. This guy needs to go. Uh, okay. So, there we go. I had to get rid of that guy. He was being very rude. <laughs> Ever drift your Porsches? No, I have not. But it may be fun. If there's one to drift, it'd definitely be that boxman right there. Oh, my pleasure indeed, Wadey4. My pleasure indeed. Hello, D'Lo Brown. Good afternoon. What about a Honda 660? You know who would love that, Christopher? Would be Charles, who is the brand manager for Honda. He would love for me to do that. Maybe that can happen. Ben French LA. There's Benny. Okay, so guys, Ben French LA, he is the reason why all of this exists. See that Porsche right there? See this Porsche here? See that Porsche right there? All of that exists because of him. So for those of you who don't know Ben, Benny is a hardcore enthusiast. He races Hondas like crazy. But there was a time that he drove a 911 daily. And he said, BC, hey, you, you really have this really cool ability and knack to, to, to build cars and tune them and do all these cool things. The Porsche community needs some infusion of younger tuners and someone who has that kind of creativity. You're needed. You need to build a Porsche. And I agreed. I mean, he, he gave me the confidence to go and buy my first 911 roller and build it. So thanks to Benny, all of this has happened. And fast forward to today, we're building electric 935s and doing great things with the factory and with dealerships and all that good stuff. Thanks to him. So thank you so much, Benny, for being who you are. Do you guys do the IMS service with BC Motor? Yes, we do. Honda 3.5 liter twin turbo horsepower rating. One turbo or twin turbo better? It depends. So 
It depends on the engine compartment. So, for example, in that Odyssey right there, we did a single turbo because if you look at where the integrated head sits, that's where you don't have individual three ports. The head integrates into one single port. Ideally, for a combination of manufacturing, cost and ease, and also lighting off the catalyst very easily, but it makes a very perfect opportunity to bolt on a twin turbo setup. So if you have turbos that are very small, you can bolt them on right there, but sometimes you have limitations to the engine space. So that Odyssey didn't allow me to do that with the same type of power I want to make. So we did, we did, we had the opportunity to take those and conversion to a single turbo. So for, even with today's aerodynamics, a twin turbo can spool very quickly. A twin turbo looks really, really cool. In that case, it may be better to be able to do that in a J-series if you have the space, a sand rail, an engine bay that's very generous. But if you're confined to a limited space, you can just bend those pipes very tightly and then go to a single aperture in the wastegate. And you should be good, which is pretty nice. How fast have you been in the electric pink rocket out there? Um, God, am I able to say? I've done 121 and I let off. And that was it. And that was actually, um, I can't say where. I should have gone to a track to do that, but I need to test that again, you know? Oh, so it's your fault why the inside won't see the daylight. Yes, it's my fault. Initially, it was the sleeving. That was done. And then Barry from Tron provided the pistons. And then I was like, okay, Ryan, I need some harnesses. And Ryan delivered the harness maybe three weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. So now I'm waiting on Hoonigan. And if not, if, if I can't get them to do it, then I'll just go ahead and have some fun myself and just put it together, you know? I have a great paint job in mind, says Banzai Triple Eight, for the Odyssey. Didn't think it would match the paint performance-wise until your Odyssey. Yeah, I have a burgundy Odyssey in. My goal, what I submitted to Honda was a blue, a BC Motor blue Odyssey. But since we only had seven weeks to build it, that would have been eaten up by paint alone. So we left it with the original factory burgundy, which was kind of comical because burgundy cars are not necessarily affiliated with speed and performance. But that worked out, you know? Heard about the new Koenigsegg four-seater? It has a strange three-cylinder free valve valve train. Now, I heard about that from some of my fans, but I have not been intimate with that setup, but I know about that free valve valve train. That's pretty cool. That's where you can mimic, literally, you can mimic any type of cancer profile and not have to worry about throttle bodies or if it can give a very flat torque curve. It's almost like VTEC on steroids. So I really, really like that very much, you know? What are my thoughts on the new Turbo 911S? Turbo S, I should say. I like it just like the GT3. The 992s look really cool. I love the tail lights in the rear and that beam that goes across. The front is very, very aggressive, something that you would see probably from tech art, but it comes from factory. I like it. It's just weird that that new car is much larger than you would see a G-Body. If you put a standard old school 911 next to the 992, it dwarfs it, but it's pretty cool. And then the dash, very intuitive, and, and it has this nice connectivity aspect to it. When you sit inside, you can do a lot with the touchscreen. It's really cool. I think Porsche is going in the right direction to really embrace individuals who are not only tech savvy, but also individuals who are into cars as well. So if you're a hardcore racer, you can appreciate it. If you're someone who just loves a car that's luxurious and fun, you can appreciate that too. So I like it very much. Love your build, said Hakun Matada. What is the first car you owned? Oh, Duran's going to love this. The first car I owned, he's laughing already was a Nissan 200SX. A Nissan 200SX was the first car I owned. To my chagrin, 
But the first car that I modified performance-wise was the Honda CRX, 1988 Honda CRX, you know? Hello, Kyle from Porsche Beaverton. Good seeing you. S2000 J35. Now, that could have some space. Absolutely, you know? Powertrain in the 935 EV, very simple. It's a 435 kilowatt setup, three-phase, which translates, for those of you who are not in kilowatts, uh, about 636 horsepower. Um, AC setup, 400 volts. It has an integrated motor, inverter, and transaxle, which makes it extremely efficient. We have a bespoke controller um, that has a combination of analog and CAN inputs. I use a race pack PDM um, to control everything in terms of turning my contactors and other you know, signature things on. I have a shifter right in the middle. What is that? <laughs> I have a shifter, um, which is... Guys, hold on for a second. Hey, who's making all that noise over there? I can't even... I'm having a show. Hey, I'm doing a show. Cut out. Put on a regular phone. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so um, I have a shifter that allows you to initiate gears and all that good stuff. And um, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, it's a car that, unlike many conversions out there, doesn't have a weird screen or multiple switches you have to hit. It's really you turn the key and you initiate a gear and you drive. Very straightforward, you know? Will you bring the electric 935 to SEMA? Asked Banzai888. It was at SEMA last year. It was in the Toyo booth. So it was there already. It was there um, this past uh, November. Do you like the Porsche Macan? I really do, especially the, Porsche, the Macan Turbo. They're compact, very Porsche, and those things are pretty fast. I like them very much, and quite tunable, I may add, you know? Do you speak Spanish? No, Marcelo, Marcelo, I do not, my apologies. Okay, sounds good. Where are they going? Huh. Okay, so um, what am I building right now? Well, we're gonna be working on, I'm gonna switch the camera right here. This is the next project we're going to be working on. That is a Caterham, or I should say a Super 7 Caterham. And that vehicle, I'm sorry for you on YouTube, you can't see it. It's something that we're going to convert to EV. Um, internally here, Kevin is right, we're going to have to get the inside going very soon. And then this, this Cayman right here, twin turbo Cayman, you know? Dibs on a wagon, sounds good. Once I saw a CRX with a combo, says Slacker Girl Racing, of a jet supercharger and a turbo. Unfortunately, he, he did a money shift, womp womp. Didn't know what he did with it afterwards. Money shift, I don't know what that is, but it's very cool. The one thing about having um, compound compressed engines or an opportunity where you combine a supercharger and a turbocharger is that it gives you the best of both worlds. You have the absolute no lag that you experience with a supercharger, and then you have the top end and efficiency that you have with a turbocharger. So it can make a very fast project. I was aware of a gentleman not too long ago who built a, uh, it was this crazy Lotus um, Exige that had that, and it was just bananas, absolutely bonkers. It's one of, very, very scary setup, you know? Kukongo is saying, what about a photo shoot? Um, I may need you to provide a little bit more insight on that with all your cars. Are you, if you're interested in doing a photo shoot, let me know, but you can definitely write into sales.bcmo.com, and then Lindsay can possibly schedule you in. Will you ever consider coming to Texas 2K? Yes, I do. It's just so weird that whenever that comes out, I have crazy projects here it's by, by far, but it's something that we definitely want to explore, especially as now we're starting to build some EV vehicles. That'd be absolutely fantastic, you know? Martin, I would love to experiment with 
free valve technology as well. I mean, if you think about having full control over turbocharged applications, it can be absolutely fantastic. Tesla powers versus wagon with a stick somehow dream car. Tesla powers versus wagon with a stick somehow. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I, I mean, it's a little more clarity, you know? Hello, Lee Chino. Thank you so much. Why a race pack versus an AM dash? Um, I like the AM dashes. The race packs, I did like that kind of motorsport shape where it kind of mimics a dash, but that whole, the LCD with the kind of all oh my old school like fonts to it and limitations. So back in the day, that's all around was race pack, but when AM came out with a CD5, CD7 and it's completely modular and completely you know, configurable and color and anti-glare screen and a built-in, I mean, warnings and the shift, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm even using it in everything from the Odyssey right there to the EV car. So right now, as we sit, the AM dash reigns supreme. Have you been able to gather range data on your EV? Chinamen, no, not quite yet. I am actually in the process of installing an experimental BMS there that allow me to do state of charge information. I have my cup kit set up, which is great. So I'm very careful. I don't think I go really comfortably past having fun, of course, 50, 60 miles, and I just bring it back and start charging it. It's my charging station right there I'm pointing at. You on YouTube can't see it, sorry. But uh, no, I don't have that. My goal was 180, we're just driving normally, but I can't keep my foot out of that thing. But I will have more concrete data for you, I would say, at the end of March or early April, and I'll be able to promote that accordingly. Let's case swap it, shame on you. No, AJ, I don't understand Spanish, no. Hello, Brazil, GSA, good seeing you. Um, AJ says, I remember when I first met you, I was waiting up front and came in, I thought you were Japanese. Ha <laughs> ha, I get that a lot. People think I'm an old Japanese guy. I get that a lot. They're like, Bisimoto. And I'm like, well, why the old part? Well, you have so many cars and so many builds. Like, you must be really old. I yeah. know. Uh, I'm not that old. Um, oh, a money shift is when you actually shift into reverse? Wow. Someone did. Oh, my God. That's, that's tough. I've never done that. That's pretty crazy. One, two, one. Ah, oh, money shift is one, two, one. Okay. Oh, okay. Going to first. Okay. But reverse, that's pretty hardcore. Race packers are outdated, says <laughs> Kevin. Sucks because I have one. Well, guess what, Kevin? Give you the hookup on CD5s and CD7s whenever you're ready, you know? Any plans to bring the 935 to San Diego? Would love to witness it in person. I don't have any plans yet, but we tend to go to quite a few events. And with my range stuff, it would be cool to do a cruise from LA to San Diego, huh? I have to stop probably halfway in charge. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be really cool. I want to visit when I come to LA. Give Lindsay a call. She'll see if we can make it happen, you know? What about the Haltech IC7 Dash? Really want to get it. Isn't that the same as a race pack? It's the same, same thing. I like the AM one. And even if you have a Haltech as ECU, you can, via CAN, you can do all the data that you want. It's cool. You can put your face on the dash of the AEM and use your eyes and nose as like gauges and numbers and all that fun stuff, you know? What's the Tuning possibilities on an NA93 without going turbo. Quite a bit, Lex. Um, the factory math is extremely restrictive. You can go ITBs, you can go headers. We've had numerous 993 engines with a 964 with the hydraulic actuators for the cam or the mechanical ones with the 964s, making well over 300 wheel. That's not a problem. You can push it and even go larger with bore sizes with a proper engine management system and get to 400s. You can do a lot with that. 
There's also some technology that we were talking about with the team this morning, which is very mind-blowing, that can incorporate in those air-cooled 993s and 9964 or 964 engines. And we should have something available in the July, August timeframe that will blow your mind and even give you more possibilities on the NA setup without going boost. So keep in touch, follow our channel. I'll give a lot of details on that very soon. What thoughts on a wideband? All brands need to use a Bosch sensor. So what does it matter which brand of wideband? So Mad KEG, that's a great question. Yes, they use LSU 4.2, 4.7, 4.9. They have all these Bosch sensors. But it's more than just a sensor. The sensor stuff, think about it, is just a sensor. It's just a measuring device. How is the data interpreted is very important. So the controller in the wideband is what makes a big difference. Some controllers are great. Others are scary, inaccurate, and not very efficient. Some require you to do a free air calibration. Others use the chip inside the sensor as a calibration value. For me, I like the AEM stuff. It's very cost-effective and absolutely fantastic, especially the X gauges are super fast in terms of response, extremely accurate, and absolutely magnificent. I have a Motec PLM one in my dyno, and all my cars use the AEM one. So it's not just the sensor. The controller, how it interprets data, how quickly it interprets that data is also ideal. And what, how does it send it out as well? Can you receive data via CAN to your ECU? Can you send it to an analog signal? And is that analog very fast and precise? Very, very important. You're doing great things, says Garth. Thank you so much, Garth. I appreciate that indeed. What great questions you guys have today. I appreciate that. Matthias from Germany, good seeing you. What's your daily driver, asked Mazamo Audio. Well, of course, we have a variety of cars, but what I drove today was my 2017 Hyundai Ioniq Hybrid, which has these crazy wheel covers and big brakes and a little wing, and, and he's, he likes that car too. Um, do you have to do any additional work to your oil pump for your 400 turbo fit build? So what I tend to do <clears throat> on all of my builds, whether it's the wagon with the K-Series, or any flash marks I see on the pump, I grind them off. So casting flash marks can cause some challenges with flow, in worse situations, you can create cavitation issues with those things. So I tend to take my pumps apart. Any flash marks, I do tend to like clean them up. My gears themselves, is something I can easily take apart and put back together. I always send them out for WPC coating. And if it's an old school setup, I tend to shim my bypasses to give me a little bit more pressure before it bleeds off. And primarily because most of these cars come naturally aspirated, when you do take away the feed of oil from an engine to feed your turbo, it does tend to impede flow to other parts of the engine. So anything you can do to keep the pressure and flow decent helps. So I put very small shims in my D-series and my B-series and some of my K-series setups to keep that oil flow going properly. Or if it's an F22A or F23, I eliminate the balance shafts, extremely balanced zero grams or close to one gram as possible on my engine and close those off. And by closing those feeds, I now have better oil flow to my extremities and then I don't have to worry about doing anything with my pump later on, except for clean up flash marks. What swaps should I do for my 240Z? It depends. So what have our customers done? Customers have left like L-series engines in there. Customers have done everything from a, wow, 1J and 2J swap. Uh, we've had rotary swaps here, but not very common. We've had LS swaps come by here as well. S2000 is a very popular one recently as well. LS swaps are really popular, actually. Um, some people have actually gone crazy enough to try and start playing around with an EV setup. So it depends. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to stay with a Japanese whole line, you can stay with a Skyline engine. You can stay with a 2.5 engine. Those are kind of heavy, though. With you know, putting a, 
uh, an inline six Skyline motor in a 240 versus an aluminum setup that you may see with, let's say, uh, if you don't mind changing marquees with an S2000, for example. Um, so we've seen all kinds of things come here. We've seen Nissan engines. Oh, people have even done something as simple as a, a SR20 DET. It depends on what you want. In my shoes, if I were your shoes, I like to shock people, so it'd probably be an EV setup. That's what I would do. Just to go crazy. See, he's laughing. Andy's over there laughing, which is pretty cool, but that's what I would do. What are your thoughts with ECU Master? I've not had intimate experience with that yet. So guys from ECU Master, if you're listening, send ECU down. I'll play around with it, but I don't have intimate knowledge with that yet. You know? How many broken engines do you have under your belt? Personally, a ton. The reason why I'm here today sharing with you my experiences is because I have blown my stuff up crazy. I have blown a lot of engines of my own engines up a lot. I've dropped valves, I've burnt pistons, I've broken ring lands, I've scarred cylinders while playing around with ring gaps. Yeah, so the one way I learn, and you can benefit from this, is by me experimenting. So I noticed there's power in ring gaps. So I kept closing my gap, closing my gap, closing my gap on my built engines. I'll close it, do, go on a dyno, pull apart, new rings, hone, tighter gap, go back, oh, more power. I did that until my rings budded and I scarred all my cylinders and now I know what to do with three ring, two ring, single ring setups, and what to do with gaps. So that's one. Um, valve springs. The reason why my valve springs were so popular, especially in the D-series and F-series world, is because I played with valve springs and looked at, you know, I've actually had cameras and did uh, uh, um, a Spintron testing on my springs to see what they do. It's scary what a valve spring looks like at 10,000 RPM. Scary. And I've taken my rings to like 14,000 RPMs on a Spintron. I have engines right here by 11,000 RPMs. And before I was able to do that safely, I dropped valves and I put holes in pistons and hurt my engine and do all kind of stuff. I've broken crankshafts when I didn't play or understand the influence of fifth wave harmonics on crankshaft designs, especially when you start pushing the envelope in terms of inline four power. And I didn't quite understand the harmonics, so I learned a lot from that. Um, I play around with trying to push carburetors to the limit in terms of fuel and power. I've done it all. So to answer your question, I've done a lot. As a matter of fact, here at Bisimoto, when we design new engine components, we do what is known as, uh, how should I say? Um, what was it? What was it? Uh, failure analysis. And that's just a clever way of saying we blow stuff up and see how far it is and back off 30%. <laughs> so we blow something up, oh, the rod broke. Okay, so we know that we just reinforce the rod in that small area. Oh, the rod bolt's not good enough, let's go larger. Oh, these head studs are not ideal. Oh, this gasket sucks. So we, we find ways of, of, of finding the weak spots and that's how we learn, is by expiring engines. And learning a lot from it. Now we've gone to the EV world, and the same thing will happen. How far can I push a brushless AC motor? That one is now 18,000 RPMs. Can I go to 20? Can I go to 22? What, when do things start coming apart? How long can I do it? More to come. Once again, guys, I talk about this a lot. You should be that person you needed when you were younger. And that's what I'm doing here. I wish I had this format when I was trying to learn about cars, people didn't want to help me. When I first wanted to, I'm talking to Andy as I turn back, and he's a good friend, helps a, a ton here, he's a very talented fabricator. When I wanted to learn about cars, and I came here as an engineering student, I didn't know much and I wanted to learn, and people shook me away, didn't want to help me, John Conciati opened up to me and helped me. I even spoke to him yesterday, great guy from AEM, the founder of AEM, and he's been great. And all I'm doing now, because this country has given me so much and I've achieved so much, I now have a family, a beautiful, beautiful setup here and, and great friends and supporters and partners. I'm trying to give back. I'm trying to be that person I needed when I'm younger. So maybe you 
can exceed what I've done even quicker and better if you had that kind of guidance. And that's what I'm doing here. And I encourage you to do the same thing because you never know who you can influence positively. You never know at all. What's your favorite engine of all time if you have one? I do. I have a combination of two engines. First is the one that's so challenging to build that I enjoyed the process. And that's the M96 engine out of the 1999 to 19, oh, I say 2004 Porsche 911. That engine has like five tensioners and five timing chains and you have to kind of use a tool to pop in the locks for the pins and piston pins and it's pretty involved. And I enjoy that process. It's like gardening. I enjoy that process of building that engine. So that's one of my favorite engines. Um, in terms of surprising power and longevity and strength, believe it or not, it's the V6 engine out of the Hyundai, yes, Hyundai Genesis 3.8, known as the Lambda engine. That engine comes stock with six-bolt mains. You know how you buy a performance Chevy engine and the upgrade is six-bolt mains? Well, the Hyundai comes with that stock. And I know Sam is building something right now with that engine. Sam, you're going to love that power plant. It's amazing. We, we made well over 1,000 horsepower with that thing with closing our eyes. It was just so robust and so just a, a stout, stout engine and just amazing. I don't know why Hyundai built an engine so stout for the Genesis. I think they put them in some other SUVs as well. That engine is amazing. So those are two of my favorite engines, by all means, you know. Maddie Ken is asking me, when am I going to go EV? <laughs> He's asking when I'm going to go EV. So Matty Cannon, that right there, that car I'm pointing at right here, um, for those of you on YouTube, uh, right there. So that car is the first EV setup I've ever done. So it's a Porsche 935, fully electric, and the most ridiculous car. How did you, how did you feel when you drove it the first time? Uh, in shock. He was in shock, literally. That's electricity. No, not electricity shocking. He was in shock with how he felt. He didn't get shocked by the car. But it's, it's amazing. It's a, unlike anything you've ever felt. Hello, Hilo Hawaii. Good seeing you too legit to quit. Good seeing you indeed. Indonesia's in the house. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Debbie. Do you do any computer simulations in order to push envelope? So Slacker, it's very challenging, and I'll tell you why. Any type of software in terms of simulations to push the envelope is only as good as whoever put the data in. So one thing about me as an engineer, even as a student, I never followed the herd. So what I'm doing now some people may think it's shocking, but at school, I always challenged what we were learning. And even if it's something as simple as steam tables, I'm a chemical engineer, something as simple as steam tables, I would like to investigate further and find out why the chart looks the way it does. Are there certain parameters that were not explored? Are there certain assumptions that were made that actually weren't true to form? So that being said, someone may tell me, let's say in a simulator, that the piston speed is not possible. But I have done crazy piston speeds on something as simple as my inside race car here that people didn't think were even feasible. Now, the one thing I noticed is that those piston speeds that were put into place in a simulator were based upon old school V8 pistons that were quite heavy. But what if I had an inline four piston that was barely 290 grams? What happens then? Things change. So that being said, I don't use simulators. The only place I'll use a simulation in what we design is if I'm gonna do something in SolidWorks or if I'm going to use something in, let's say, uh, Fusion 360, they have very, very advanced information in terms of stresses that can use to be able to design properly. That's about it. But when it comes to engine performance parts, 
I don't use engine simulators at all. I use real world on engine dyno and ultimately even better yet on a chassis dyno indeed, you know? My pleasure, man, my pleasure indeed. Where did the them go? Everyone left? Or, or did I take, oh, they had to take the, the rotors to get turned? Okay, okay, makes sense. Hello, exhibit control, good seeing you. Man, time is flying. We've been together almost 40 minutes. How crazy is that, you know? Does the Lambda motor require the built-in exhaust back pressure? No, our walls. One thing I noticed is that most internal combustion engines really don't like back pressure. Almost everything I've seen, natural aspirated and turbo, don't. Um, many times when people take away back pressure and lose power is because of the fuel ratios weren't ideal or the car wasn't optimized for such free flow. It takes energy to inhale into an engine and expel from an engine. So anything you can do to reduce that energy consumption is available for you to propel the vehicle forward. How do you feel about hybrids? I love them. I think, especially in this day and age, where EVs are somewhat limited, not only to range and create a bit of anxiety, but also the density of battery cells. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the weight of a battery versus how much energy you can get from it in, over a period of time versus gasoline, you can't match the density of gasoline with batteries. We're not there yet. Will we get there? I feel we will. Maybe I can contribute to that. Maybe I should be focusing on battery technology. Maybe I will. But as we sit right now, we do not have that advantage. So what's the best of both worlds? A hybrid system. Either integrated motor assist, like what we have here on the CRZ, or what Karma had that we saw a couple of weeks ago. You can see my YouTube video, and please subscribe there if you don't already. Where you have the opportunity to use a petrol engine as a generator, or like what I drove today, my Ionic, where it's a proper hybrid, where it's a separate unit as well. There are many ways to do it. I think it allows you to, dare I say to some extent, eat your cake and have it too. Especially the Karma. Karma opened my eyes to a lot where I can drive 81 miles. I'm only 30 miles from my home. I can drive here on electricity, come back here. I have my charger right there on the wall, right there. See right there, I'm pointing on uh, Instagram. And you can't see it on YouTube, I'm for it. Sorry, but I have a blink charger there. I can just come here, level two charger. By the time I'm ready to go home, it's charged up. I can drive home. I can drive weeks without using any petrol. And then if I'm somewhere, I'm driving far, the petrol engine kicks in and allows me to have it as a range extender, which is great. So I like them very much. Thoughts on why Hyundai has overheating issues in the Genesis? My friend had two engines so far car by Hyundai. I didn't experience that slacker. I've had two cars in my possession that, uh, from Hyundai that had that V6 engine, and I pushed them hard. I didn't have any overheating issues at all. So he may have had something very peculiar, but I can't speak to that because my experience has been quite different, you know? Honda Inside Gen 1 Project. I have one right here. RS, let me see if I can flip you around. So right there is my race car, and it's a Honda Insight. And that is something that I found very appealing, only because it seemed like the perfect vehicle, forgive me on YouTube, it seemed like the perfect vehicle to build as a drag car because the coefficient of drag was very low. If my memory serves is correct, it was like 0.25 or 0.23 CD. And even though this car weighed heavier than my CRX, only because I put a ton of cage in it, the full car was aluminum. It's one of the few cars Honda built that was, how should I say, more expensive to sell than they manufactured. So it was just a very good, you know, kind of concept vehicle. There was this and NSX. Those two cars I was aware of that Honda designed and built. Each time they sold one, they lost money. But the technology in this was so amazing. I gained three tenths, no, two tenths and three miles an hour just switching over from my CRX to this car, even though this car was heavier, just sheerly because of the aero. So 
I love those. I love insights as project cars. I really do. I have a 2012 Acura TSX, four-cylinder, six-speed, and looking to make around 350 horsepower. Any recommendations? Absolutely. That's a really straightforward one. Boton Turbo Kit. Easy peasy, easy, easy, easy. The companies out there that make it, I think someone that has something that can fit on very nicely for you is uh, PRL. Or if you want something bespoke, companies like ours can make that happen for you. Hello, Jose. Good seeing you indeed. Thank you so much. What's the biggest turbo you've ever strapped into an engine? Danny BRZ, you'll be shocked, but it was actually a 76 millimeter turbo on an EcoBoost Mustang. <laughs> Here's a, he's laughing at me. It's a four cylinder, little, sh you know, 2.3 liter engine. Uh, we did it for Ford in 2015, I believe. And that thing was laggy. It was a great, that was the one car I can truly tell you was a Dino Queen because driving it, it was, I think the power band was like 1600 RPMs. It looked like a Supra power band, but it showed that you can make cool power, but it wasn't a fun drivable car. It really was. I think if you had a Turbonex kit and it was like 550, it would be perfect. But we made 901 with that, with a 76 millimeter turbo, but it was really, really laggy. So that's the biggest one I've personally, myself, bolted on to a car. Um, in terms of twins, I would say it was twin 67s, which is on my Porsche that almost killed me. Okay. Um, I really want to have the first day driven hybrid series. You're the man for the job. Yes, I am. SX Kellen from Supercar by the Sea. I can help you with that. Now, the weird thing is that where technology sits today, that could be a pretty penny project, but definitely can be possible by all means. Danny BRC says EcoBoost 41. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Um, that was a weird project. <laughs> that was a weird project. But anyway, we had a good time building that. Um, what's your take on fuel type versus piston speed, flame propagation rate versus burn duration, and what do you play with this to increase torque output and speed engine ranges? Yes, quite a bit. So I'm one of those weird engineers that would put together an engine, take it apart, look at the burn, and then be able to redesign the dome, which has a huge, huge, impactful effect on what you just mentioned. So flame propagation is very key. Burn duration has so many factors that influence it. Piston ring location, because you have to burn any elements that exist around the piston before the top ring. Shroud that exists in the valve pocket. Is that chamfered? Is it quite intrusive? Combustion chamber shape. How's your quench? There's, we can have a whole hour on just discussing that, but I do pay a lot of attention to it. But the one giveaway, old school, but definitely something that you can pay attention to, is the color of the burn, the evenness on the burn of the piston, and the dome has a huge influence on that. Now, also above and beyond that, something that affects burn significantly is the spark energy of your coils. So that makes a huge difference at all. What I would like to do is, because we're getting close to the end of the hour, I would like to push that topic to next week where I want to spend a good maybe 15 minutes talking about that flame propagation and also quench and the effects of that, it's very interesting indeed, extremely. Have you thought of building a Prius? No, because I have not had the opportunity to work with Toyota very closely. I've done some TRD stuff behind with the Buccaneers cars here with the tune. I've done some very close to the chest autonomous programs that I'm limited to talk about, but uh, by all means. Supercharger's opinions, a supercharger is very nice because it, when installed properly, it acts like a 
How should I say? It acts like a large natural aspirator setup. So if you have an S2000 that's supercharged, let's say a Crossbook supercharger system, and you drive it, it feels like a big, big displacement engine, which is cool, like almost like a V8. The challenge with supercharge is that it, it, it robs Peter to pay Paul. It takes parasitic drag or efficiency from the crankshaft to turn a compressor. So like a turbocharger where you're using wasted heat and volume, um, volume energy from the exhaust to turn the turbine, which in turn turns a compressor, um, you don't have that with supercharged. But the benefit is that you have absolutely no lag whatsoever. And it sounds pretty cool too. So I like superchargers, especially in S2000s where you can have some challenges with heat management where if you put a turbocharger system, you have your batteries and, and fuse box to worry about. A supercharger can be a very reversible, very straightforward setup to really get a lot of cool power. And same thing with J-Series as well. There, there's some kits out there. I think J Jersey Build does one, Jersey Bear, Jersey Bear, does one that's very, very nice. And it's a supercharger kit that for J-Series that is very efficient and makes very good power, you know? Any updates for the 2020 SEMA builds? Yes, so my very rare Porsche kit, it will be here next week. We talked to some very good guys from Poland today. Andy and I were talking to them uh, about some interior components for some of our builds. Um, we sent documentation to Hyundai for some exciting opportunities for a build for them this year. Um, I have a meeting tomorrow morning at, oh, tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. to talk about some other items in regard to SEMA. So things are starting to happen very quickly. So as we sit now, it looks like we have four projects Okay, three, it's really four to build for SEMA this year. So it should be pretty exciting. I think I'm gonna keep it at four and that's it, you know? Kevin says maybe September, you're very funny. Very funny, Kevin, no. Maybe because you don't come around as often, you don't know what's going on. Hootie Who says, say my name, Hootie Who. Interesting name, good to see you. Yes, like a girl, S2K's World Trucks works extremely well. My pleasure indeed, Fox Design. And I'd love to work with you on that stuff too, Fox Design. And I can't wait to what you come up with for that, see that wing right there? The Hot Wheels car? So Fox Design is helping me with that gold car right there, right there. So um, by the way, Paul from Fox Design, that car is going away on the 14th, 13th of this month. So you have very limited time. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't twin, twin charge engines? I think they're very good. Um, you have twin charged, you have compound turbos. I think it gives you the best of both worlds where you can have the efficiency of a smaller unit and the high horsepower of a larger one. It adds a little bit of complexity, but it can, when designed well, can be a lot of fun. Still need to write a piece on the eraser. Let me know, Auto Talk US. Do I know the 0 to 60 on electric Porsche? Yes, I do. 2.4 on those tires when they're cold. And Mike, I need to get my tire really flatter because it's set up like a road race stuff now, but I kind of want to get it a little more closer to zero in terms of camber so I can do some really, some really cool stuff. But I'm going to take that thing to Irwindale very soon. Once my, I'm waiting for um, a Quave differential and also um, an experimental BMS. And then once that happens, we're good to go. Translating the SEMA bill, four cars for BC equals eight. <laughs> Very funny, DA Motorsports. Yeah, Robert, I need your help. Come on down. It's starting. It's starting already. Hello, Mission Flyer. Hello. Why not? Why no, Tony? 44? No problem, Hoodie Who. <laughs> he said thanks for the shout out. Love the work you and your team do. Yeah, thank you so much. And my team members, I think, I don't know where everyone left just to do one rotor turn, but here's Andy. Andy, come say hi to my family. 
So Andy is here, and I think Sam is here right, right still, but here's Andy, he's a I very guess. talented fab guy. What kind of cars do you like? What's your favorite car that you like working on? I would say Japanese cars for sure. Japanese yeah. cars? Any marquees in particular? I'd say the Nissan. Nissan, he's a Nissan. Yeah. Him and Duran, he's <laughs> Nissan. Nissans, they saw yeah. Nissans. But he, he's, he's, so even the crazy cage in the wagon, he did that. The guy, is, he's very talented, you know? Have you ever built a mad German car? I have an Audi A4 and love some pointers. Wow, I'm so sorry, Spitfire, but a lot of cars here are German, so let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen German cars here. So yeah, we've done some pretty crazy things, by all means, you know? Hello, R35, R13. No VWs yet. I mean, if you count VAG, not divisions, but just Volkswagen itself. I don't have a relationship with them, so I don't, haven't built any VWs yet, you know? Thank you so much, Steve Newman, 86. Appreciate the love. So, guys, that being said, I'm going to head out. It's been a slice of heaven. I have a lot of madness going on here and some filming to do. So, that being said, I appreciate all of you coming and joining me this afternoon on this wonderful Beast Motor Tech Tuesday. Um, I'm going to leave this up on Instagram for another 24 hours. I'll have it up on YouTube very soon. And you see this right here? I'm recording it via Anchor, so I'll have it on all the podcast networks where they're looking at uh, um, uh, Spotify. You're looking at our friends from um, iTunes, jeez, um, Google Podcasts, Podbean, your favorite networks, by all means, yes. And to answer your question, Danny, yes, Peugeot. And that was the first car I ever drove with a Peugeot 504. Have a great afternoon, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.